0: This is 1059, the region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one on one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. This show is, in my view, upfront, up close, and politically charged. So here's how Stephen Ladru describes himself on Twitter. Lawyer, broadcaster, believer in fairness and classic liberalism, enemy of bureaucratic busybodies, woke idiots, and politically correct sanitized media outlets. Stephen had a pretty spectacular ride to the top of the political broadcast heap, including time spent as president of the Liberal Party of Canada, a boisterous run for the Toronto mayor's chair in 2006, oodles of guest appearances on major Canadian networks, and eventually, or should I I say ultimately, landing the coveted position of political analyst for the upstart all-news channel CP24. The audience loved him. That led to his own talk show, daily live commentary during all kinds of breaking news and the role of kingpin for all of 2-4's election coverage. But he was abruptly dethroned in 2017. It was a crash and burn firing. Like the phoenix, though, rising from the ashes, Stephen LaDrew is back as bold as ever and compact, I might add. Three minutes is the new normal for Stephen LeDrew. Here to explain is my friend and former co-host, Stephen LeDrew. Welcome to In Conversation, and oh, didn't we have fun when we were co-hosts together, Stephen?
1: (laughs) We had more than fun. (laughs) If we had any more fun, it should have been illegal, Anne. But also, (laughs) as the ratings showed, you and I uh, did a lot of good work, and a lot of people in uh, the GTA and and indeed in Ontario um, liked what we were doing. You doing the reporting and me doing the commentary, and um, it worked.
0: So, how does a kid who grew up in Petrolia, Ontario end up being one of the most sought after, revered, and respected television political analysts in this country?
1: That is a long, long trip and a long story. But we'll just, uh, I was always interested in politics and I became a lawyer and then born into politics. I ran the President of the Liberal Party of Canada. I know all the big shots in Ottawa I said. You'll never win, and um, I did, and I was the longest-serving president of the Liberal Party, which was a volunteer job. It was quite taxing, and it was towards the end of Mr. Kretchen's uh, career, so he didn't want to leave, and it was um, always a bit of a a tussle between Mr. Kretchen and Mr. Martin, the executive of the party, which I led as president. Um, So it was a a lot of fun, though, but during that time, I got a lot of exposure on TV and radio, and um including with you on uh on cp well sitting on cp24 and um we ended up together and it was a great pleasure to sit beside you at the uh, anchor desk and talk about politics and uh, have fun explain things to uh, people with without being too serious about
0: it. Well, and I think that's the way we presented. And I think we have to let people know what went on behind the scenes. You and I working together day in and day out, night after night when it was election coverage. And do you remember the leadership convention uh, where Kathleen Wynne ultimately uh, was the victor? We... I remember. I remember that we were attached to our chairs. We had our IFBs. That's the, the way we we heard the control room in our ears. We were literally tethered to our chairs, so we were not even able to. Pow- I couldn't powder my nose. Meaning, I we couldn't I go know. to the
1: bathroom. We were live the entire time. I know where you were going because I remember one time I looked at you. I thought your eyes were popping out because you had to go to the washroom so badly, and they wouldn't let us go. <laughs> powder your nose. Good for you, man. Oh.
0: And here's the other thing that I'm going to tell Uh, you, you are, you've got so much to say and we had time constraints and we sat behind a desk and I would tap your thigh. And I hope I did that subtly so that you knew that it was time to wrap it up, Stephen.
1: (laughs) Well, I remember one of the producers coming in my ear and saying, you know, we're watching this downstairs and we have the cameras everywhere. And we're trying to figure out whether Anne hits you on the thigh when you've done well or when she disagrees with you. And my answer to them was both. (laughs) And I can't tell, but she keeps me in line. In any event, that was one of the things during that convention. We were above the floor. I remember turning around and I saw David Peterson, the former premier, former provincial liberal leader, um, making. In a head-to-head conversation with a uh, person who's not public life, so I can't mention them, and I remember saying to our producer, get this on camera because there is a deal going down here, and uh, there was indeed a deal. We got it on camera, uh, live, and uh, about, I think it was about half an hour later, uh, the voting ended and the deal held, and, um, of course, we won the uh, leadership. We saw it happen.
0: I want to talk to you about the the people that you worked with on your rise to the position of political analyst on television. So you worked very closely with John Turner. What was that like?
1: Well, John Turner um, so recently departed, and sadly, was was a Canadian hero, and his term as Prime Minister was cut short. By the election and by the fact that people were tired of liberals and Pierre Elliott Trudeau and they didn't care that there was a new leader, it wasn't his fault that I lost that election. But uh, people say, well, he was the only prime minister for a number of months. John Turner's legacy is the fact that he was the minister of justice for years and years. He was the minister of finance in Canada for years. He was the man who created the federal court, because he had the foresight in the 70s to say, government's going to get so big, people need to have some recourse against government behaving improperly. And he was, he was uh, so smart and so sensitive, and um, he was a gentleman, and so it was a great privilege for me to work with him and to learn from him. And um, a number of people came forth after his death and said, yes, he was. He created a lot of good institutions in Canada, and he was um, a terrific politician and a true gentleman.
0: Let's talk about your relationship with Jean Chrétien. I understand that you and you're you, you're not shy in retiring, Stephen LeDru. You you say what you think, and sometimes it's filtered, and sometimes it isn't. But you had a way of describing Jean Chrétien's plan to limit corporate donations to political parties. Do you remember what you said?
1: I do remember it, Anne, because I remember the headline in the Globe and Mail, it was an article written by um, Robert Fife and it was, Dumb as a Bag of Hammers. <laughs> and uh, the reason I said that uh, was that um, it was saying all all donations from corporations were bad, which was not the case, in my view. And there's no consultation with the party before Mr. Petchen and his cronies brought out that legislation, and, of course, Virtually every corner store, every small business is a corporation. So a lot of people were prevented by that legislation from making donations to parties. So it wasn't just like the huge multinationals. They should have been controlled, no question about it. But the legislation is often the, type of, the case with government. It went too far, and that's what I said. And um, uh, In fact, uh, later governments repealed that legislation, and, uh, or actually not repealed it, but amended it along the line, so that people could make donations. Average people who run small businesses to make donations through their corporations.
0: You worked your way in and through and around federal politics, and you made a name for yourself. Let's fast forward to 2006. Why did you decide to run municipally and in you know, the, the city with the biggest budget in Canada, Toronto?
1: Well, a number of us who were involved in politics at all levels we're decrying the fact that we, we didn't agree with what David Miller was doing in Toronto. It was uh, very leftist, very, you'd be called woke these days, remember the, all the parts in the city, the, the grass was not being cut. Um, it was just the city was, in our view, know, decaying. Jane Pitfield was a councillor. She was running against uh, David Miller. And a number of people thought, I think quite rightly, even though she's a lovely woman, um, that she wasn't, strong enough to point out Miller's deficiencies, so a bunch of us were talking, and they said, we've got to get someone to run just to debate Miller, just to point out issues, and um, I got the short straw, so <laughs> I, I ran, I knew I was not going to uh, win, in fact, David Miller, actually after the first debate at City TV on Queen Street, turned to me and said, Stephen, we knew each other. He said, why are you doing this? And I said, David, because you're doing a rotten job. <laughs> and he looked at me and says, I'm doing a great job as mayor. I said, that's why I'm running, because you think you're doing a great job, and I want to point out what you're doing wrong. So it was more like a debating society. I mean, to paraphrase uh, a great American uh, politician who ran as mayor of uh, New York, he said, if I ever win, I'll ask for a recount. Um I was in it for the, not for the sport. It was serious business, but, I mean, we had a shoestring uh, budget. It was just really to point out some of the things that needed to be done in the city. And um, it was a lot of fun. Everybody should run sometime.
0: When we come back, we'll speak to Stephen LeDrew about a moment that changed his life forever, the firing from cp 24 Stay with us. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line, info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation. Stephen LaDrew, you spent a good many years at CP24, and your role grew larger and larger. You brought so much experience from the political world, from your legal legal background, but also you grew as a broadcaster. What were those years like for you, if you can encapsulate the time at CP24?
1: Oh, they were fabulous years. Um, I I, I loved... Um, working um, in communications. I loved explaining and pointing out the situations of politics for people because I'd been on the inside for so many years. And it was uh, it was a thrill, and I enjoyed it extraordinarily. I enjoyed all the people I worked with, and you one of them. I remember you and I were there, and you were an anchor, and I was just doing some commentary now and then when Bob McLaughlin uh, looked at uh, and I. I said, well, why are you two doing for lunch tomorrow? And I didn't have any plans. I just said, I don't know. And he said, well, good. We're going to start this show. And that was live at noon, which you and I carried on for years. But it was, it was an awful lot of fun, and um, um, it, was, uh, it was important. And, and so now it, it, you know, it continues, but it taught me a lot about broadcasting. And I have young students. I lecture now and then at uh, what used to be called Ryerson. I would have students come up to me afterwards, and they said, well, how did you get into broadcasting? And I said, it was a long road. But first you get a law degree, and then you become president of the party, and then you get on TV an awful lot. If it all works, then you may get a job and take a huge cut in salary, but it's all worth it.
0: You, are, you say what you think, and you know a lot. Did you ever feel that you went a little too far on the air? Was that ever an issue for you when you were Co-anchoring our election coverage, or you were doing commentary or breaking news. Did you ever feel that maybe you stepped in it just a little?
1: No, I, I didn't. I think that um, if you don't look back and say I could have rephrased that better, or I could have been more clear about something, or I could have, um, you know, done a bit differently. Yes, and you and I both know and. and Broadcasters know you always look back, and if you don't look back, try to improve, um, then you're uh, then you're falling behind. But, and people say, well, you're a journalist. I said, well, no, I was never trained as a journalist. But I was trained as a lawyer, and my dad was a United Church minister. So I spent hours in church listening to his sermons, and so I understand fairness. I understand social justice, and I always try to when I was commentating, certainly show the other side, trying to be fair to all people. And, and oftentimes now somebody on TV will, will not allow the other side to come out. But Aunt, what I think that a lot of people commented on when you and I were on together and, and you know, when we were, we were apart is that you know, we showed the show all sides and show all views and let the viewer decide their own opinion, as opposed to being told what to think or what to do. So um, I always try to be fair and open and uh, congenial to all sides.
0: And I sat with you through most of that. And I I must remain impartial, but I'm going to break from that right now. And and I believed (laughs) in, in what you said and how you delivered it. I had left CB24 you remained. You soldiered on without me. I'm just kidding. You were terrific. You did a That's great why job.
1: I you, it was tougher.
0: you did a great job. Something happened, and you were fired. Can you tell us what happened?
1: Well, um, without going into all the details, it was uh, there was one particular woman there who uh, simply didn't like me. and She was always looking for a way to, um, to get rid of me. The ratings were extraordinarily high. And uh, then one time I went on to uh, Tucker Carlson, who was at Fox. Tucker's is, is the most watched show in the world outside of China. And it is the most popular show in the world. I was um, asked to talk about Canadian politics, and, um, and they, used, they used that as an excuse because she said, well, well, you were on Tucker last night. I said, yeah. She said, well, that's a competition to
0: So let me get this straight. You were fired because you appeared on a network or on a TV show that was considered competition. Was that not in your contract, Stephen?
1: Oh, it was. But then the point is, is uh, Fox News competition with CP24. CP24 is a local station. Fox News is worldwide. But I leave that for your uh, listeners to judge.
0: So how did it feel? how did it feel to be removed, to be taken off the air, to be stripped of your power and your passion for CP24?
1: Well, it was, no one likes to get fired. i had never been fired before. Um, And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I had made a lot of sacrifice to be on CP24. I used to uh, be a full-time lawyer. I had a successful firm in practice uh, my children were growing up, so I didn't need to uh, have as much money as to bring up all those children I had. And um, so I, it, felt, it felt awful. And um, everybody who is listening to your show now knows that they've been fired. Knows been fired, it's, um, it's a very, very tough situation. Um, and uh, so, it, you know, it took a while. But, you know, I mean, it makes you stronger. It makes you more thoughtful. It uh, makes you, uh, while if, if you take it right, uh, you uh, you learn from it and you, um, and you become more strong. And uh, so there I am now. I think um, I'm uh, far more stronger as a result of that terrible action.
0: And, you know, there's a phrase, kinder and gentler. But honestly, because I know you so well, you are kind. You always were. And there was a gentle side to you. But this was business. So... What about the personal side of being fired and losing a job that you loved? Did that have an effect on your relationships with your wife, with your children?
1: Well, I mean, there's no question it was, um, it was, um, well, this is getting very, yeah, it was, it was very, very tough. My children were, um, were hurt by it. I don't say they're embarrassed; They always stuck by me. They knew the, the truth. Um, but it was uh, tough on them. Uh, my uh, wife at the time has, has since left me, and in the uh, divorce documents, she said one of the major reasons was that I was fired, and she was so thoroughly embarrassed uh, by it. Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, it's tough. It, uh, it, uh, it, it costs a lot, not only emotionally, but uh, in any other way possible. So it's difficult, but, Anne, (laughs) as you know, you bounce back, and so what do I do? I create my own show.
0: Yep. Let's talk about it. It is the LaDrew three-minute interview, and you can see it on YouTube. I think it's phenomenal, and I love the idea that it's compact.
1: Well, I think that's one of the great appeals of it, and thank you for that, Anne. It's because I that people are busy I know that when they're on their cells they have other things to do and so I thought about that and I said well two minutes is too short, four minutes is too long for an interview but if we can get the, the message out there or the information out there in three minutes we've got some I've had politicians on so it's, it's once a day, it comes out at 7 o'clock in the morning, one interview a day five days a week, uh, it's been on for a little more than a year now you have a really, really good following, and uh, I have politicians who uh, want to come on. And some of them say, "Well, we're going to do 10 minutes. You're going to edit it." I said, "No, it's three minutes. That's what you get. And uh, measure your words. And uh, they do, and they get their message out, and their views out, their opinions out. It is not. Uh, it is not a political platform. I've had. Uh, my my producer is very, very careful about this. We have." As I was telling you earlier, Anne, and you know this as well from your years in, in broadcasting, you have all sides on. So I have people from the left, from the right, people who um, are wrong, or people who are right, and, um, and, and let the viewer decide what they, what they think of it. But uh, to get that information out there, so I have all kinds of topics, mainly politics, mainly social issues, mainly uh, the issues that people are thinking about, but they know, and I hear this all the time from people, they know that they're going to get a hit of information and a full discussion in three minutes. And the most criticism I receive is people saying, well, that, we needed 15 minutes on that topic. Well, that'd be very nice, but I don't do that.
0: You know, you're an interviewer. You have opinions as well, but again, the fact that it's compact uh, to to me as someone who grew up in television and everything had to be a minute thirty. If you remember that as well, everything had to be sound bites and short and to the point. But this really hits the mark. Are people listening? Are people watching? Are people paying attention?
1: Well, they are. We have um, on YouTube. You you get the the numbers, but then. Then it, it keeps being played and played and played. And so, um, I mean, some of the shows have had over 60,000 uh, views from people. Um, you know, when, and we get a couple thousand immediately every day when one is out. And it just keeps repeating. So it's a, it's a labor of love. It's, um, uh, it's not something that um, you know, I'm, I'm paid for. I... I um, I fund it, and uh, the viewers fund it to pay the crew, because it's a very professional crew, um, but it's just uh, I think that there's a need in Canadian politics, particularly these days, to get the unvarnished truth out there. You can do that on radio, you can do that on YouTube, and I'm not being critical at all about it. You and I have many friends in, um, in the, the big news stations and, uh, and TV, but uh, they're limited, and there are restraints. And uh, I just think that it's important now, particularly in these tough times. You know, with COVID and the huge debt we're having in government and a lot of malfeasance in government, a lot of mistakes made by government, and it's not getting fully discussed. So I have people on to, to bring out what I view, what I think is, um, is something that should be brought out, and, you know, some issues, some opinions, and people can say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, good. But you're thinking about it. I want people to think about issues because we are in some tough times in Canada and we need to have people involved.
0: Speaking of which, election season is just around the corner. Federally, it could be literally just around the corner, but we also have provincial and then municipal. Any thoughts hmm. at this stage in your life, at this point after all you've been through, any thoughts? about running for office, and I'm really thinking the federal level, but, you know, of course there's provincial as well. Would, would, I, would you even consider it now?
1: No, I wouldn't. Um, first of all, I'm not bilingual, uh, and you need to be bilingual to run federally. And um, I had the option, seems like ages ago, uh, of, uh, certain, of running in, in certain seats which were considered at that time safe seats And I could have been an MP. I probably would have been a cabinet minister. I would have never been prime minister because I'm not bilingual. But I had uh, children and a family then. And uh, I've seen the tremendous cost to individuals to be involved in politics, uh, to be in Ottawa. I've seen what it's done to families. And I've seen the sacrifices that people have to make to make a contribution to public life. And um, even though my family is... Growing up, I'm still very close with all of my children. I have 12 grandchildren, and um, I'm very close with them. And it's a tremendous sacrifice to go to Ottawa, which uh, to be in active politics. is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and um, it's just not something that I'm interested in now. It's funny you say that because someone this morning emailed me and said you should run for mayor, and I said, I said, no, thanks. That's very kind of you, but been there, done that. No, I'm not running. I'm, um, I'm talking, and uh, I, want to, I want to have an influence on public life, but the way to have that influence, in my view, in my stage of life, is to bring forth people who will comment and who, as I said, who will, who will make the comments about public issues and so that people will think about it as opposed to just saying, oh, you know, we're going down one direction.
0: And that is the Ladru three-minute interview. So, Stephen, where are you now? I know that you've left the city of Toronto, and for probably personal reasons, and I don't think that we need to delve into that. You've exposed a lot of your personal stuff on this interview and in conversation, and I appreciate it. But where are you now in your life?
1: Well, I'm actually, when as you I'm talking right now, I'm in a small village called Buckhorn, uh, which is on Lake Buckhorn, which is north of Peterborough and um, it, it's the reason I bought it is that I realized that my family, after uh, my last divorce, there was no longer a place for them all to get together and, you know, with the grandchildren and to enjoy each other's company because they all live in the city and, um, you know, they don't have large houses They're all working very hard and very diligently and successfully. But I said, Well, I need to have a place that people can come to, uh, whether it's one family or whether it's four families or five families, and to enjoy each other. So I said, Well, heck with that. I did actually I did a business. You you being a daughter of a general and a lawyer would appreciate this, and I did a memo to my children last fall saying, This is what I think we need. And this is how I'm going to do it, and they all bought in, so I sold my house to the city, bought a house here, and I uh, go down to the city once a week to, uh, to do my shows, to record my shows in the studio there, and then I just pop back, and uh, with Highway 407, I can afford it, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not bad at all. It's not a bad drive. In fact, I know people who spend far more time on the highway every day to and from, uh, commuting to and from their work at home than I do uh, coming down from Buckhorn. So here I am, the most, most recent city, citizen of Buckhorn. I, I didn't know where it was either, Ann.
0: Oh, I, lo- I love Buckhorn. I, I haven't been yet, but I love the idea of Buckhorn. So I want to ask you this. The past four years for you have not been easy. You are in a different place than perhaps you expected, and I don't mean literally. I mean, you know, figuratively. Are, yeah. you, ha- are you happy? Are you at peace?
1: Um, I, I, I love life. I just think life is just so fabulous. And I, um, I, I live every day to the fullest. Um, and, um, so I'm, I'm happy. Am I uh, still, am, am I still anxious? Am I still stirring the pot? Do I <laughs> think things should be better? Absolutely. I think that I think Canadians are too sanguine sometimes. I think that we can do a lot better. We are a fabulous country. You know, in the last few weeks, there's been people debating about Canada Day, and uh, they talk about residential schools. Residential schools, there was a horrible, horrible situation uh, in Canada, and uh, we need to deal with that. But we should as well, and most people did, celebrate Canada Day with great fervor because we are a fabulous nation. Just because we are a fabulous nation and fabulous people doesn't mean that we sit on our haunches. Uh, We can be a lot better. We can be more active in the world. We can do a better job in the world. We can do a better job by helping people and creating an atmosphere where people can come, be treated fairly and equitably. And I think that we need to improve ourselves. And so that's why I'm uh, so you say, Am I at peace? I love life. I mean, as I said, it's great. It's fabulous. I have mean, a fabulous family. I have you know, so many wonderful friends. Um, but I'm still, I'm still out there stirring the pot. <laughs> and, Gotta you, do that, and
0: you stir it in the LaDrew three-minute interview. I have to say this as we say goodbye. At the end of interviews, when we were together at cp 24 you would always say to your guest, you're terrific. I'm going to say it now. Stephen LaDrew, you're uh, terrific. Uh, uh, Ann Romer, and you are terrific. Anyway, Stephen Ledru. Ah. thank you for joining us in conversation. What a treat!
1: Ann Romer, this is my pleasure. Cheers.
0: Well, cheers to you too. A federal election call is anticipated shortly. No doubt, we'll be hearing a lot more from Stephen Ladru. Follow in conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at one zero five
1: nine the region. This is one zero five nine the region.